What is a monetized mindset? How does it impact your financial security? How does that help you deal with what happens when what happens happens? Welcome your host, Bart Merrill. Welcome everyone once again to the Monetize Your Mindset podcast where we take a look at what do you like to do? What do you need to do? What are you already doing? Can you monetize it? We're going to create financial security by monetizing the things that you already know. Today, we're going to do something a little different here. I, I interview a lot of people, and I've figured that this would be a good time to have someone, my, my editor, speech coach, whatever you want to call him, what do you want to call you? Uh, brilliant, incredible, any of those would work fine. Brilliant, incredible Thomas Cantrell. And you realize you're stealing my line. You're stepping all over my lines here. Yes, I am. Okay. And so with that, we figured that um, he is going to interview me. So with that, I'm going to turn the control over to Mr. Thomas Cantrell. Thank you. Yeah, that was what screams and applause and that sort of thing. Yes, yes. Bart, I think I know you pretty well, maybe better than most, but most of your audience doesn't. So this is what I was going to say, but you already stole it. So how about this time, instead of you interviewing your guest, I, the guest, <laughs> interview you. Since you already said you're going to do that, then this is where you say, okay. Okay. So, see, I stepped on your line. Now we're even. Bart, you, you say this often, and you say it often. <laughs> You say you never had a real job. Correct. You've had jobs. Why do you say you've never had a real job? Because I've never, I've had part-time jobs going to college. I've had jobs doing welding when I was going back and forth to Japan basically to fill time because I, I made enough money in Japan building bungee towers and stuff that I would, when I came home, I, I didn't have to work, but I was bored. I had friends that I could go work with and weld with and have a good time with. And so I've never had a, a real, real job, meaning I graduated in accounting, but I graduated in accounting so that I can get in the FBI, not because I wanted to be an accountant. And at the time, that was one of the easiest ways into the FBI. Once and, how you got, that, and how did that work out for you? I did not make it, obviously. Why not? Um, well, they call it quarters up at Utah State University, but so let's just say a semester before I graduated, I went down to help my dad on the pig farm and also learn Spanish to, to improve my Spanish. And while I was there, customs agents that I knew, border patrol agents that I knew, were all getting this new surgery done called RK surgery, which corrects your vision. It was before LASIK. All it did is, I say all it did, is they cut these, they cut your eyeball open the scarring on your eyeball will change the shape of your eyeball and correct your vision. And I had it done and it was a success. But when I got back up to school and started the FBI application process, I realized, or I found out that that automatically disqualifies you from the FBI. So you went to college to get a degree and something you didn't care about to get a job that you really cared about, but you didn't get that job. So other than other part-time things you did just to do it, you really never worked for anyone else, ever. Correct. So that's what you mean by having not having a real job. Yeah. You, not you, having a job that I cared about, not having the nine-to-five that I, when I say cared about, when I mean that 
it wasn't a career. Right. Like I said, I, I did part-time stuff, short-term stuff. Right. But I didn't ever have a career. Right. Like most right. people have. Right. So you didn't do the nine to five and you didn't really work for anyone else. But you, at the same time, you talk about being financially secure. So I'm going to ask you a couple of things. One of them is what do you mean by financial security and how do you get that without having a real job? So first of all, first question, what do you really mean when you say financial security and what is that and how is that different between financial independence or getting rich? Financial security is being able to relax a little bit, meaning something's going to happen, whether it's a a car problem, a health issue, something is going to happen. Life, life happens. And I, I call it what happens when what happens happens. What are you going to do? Are you prepared? Are you able to take off and spend time with your, your kid or your spouse that is, that is hurt? Are you able to have a thousand dollar auto uh, mechanics bill that you can pay and not, not worry about it, not stress about it? That's what I mean by financial security and where this comes from is so that was going to be the question I was going to ask you so let me interview you okay you, t- <laughs> you, you talk about you use an interesting phrase what happens when what happens happens did that have something to do with your this this penchant for being financially secure and still not working not having a real job So I've had several times in my life where I've realized what happens, happens is going to happen. But the biggest one was when my wife Hiroko called me from Japan. Uh, She goes over there to visit her family family every year. And while she's there, she has her health checks done. Uh And she called me and said that the initial indication is cancer. Wow. And so my first thought, obviously, is I could lose my wife. But sadly, my second thought was, we can't afford this. So why did you suddenly start thinking about money in the midst of, first of all, your wife potentially dying on you sounds really important. And then suddenly you're thinking about money. Because it takes money to make things happen, to give give a person options, no matter what the what the urgency is whether it is a car car issue or a health issue when it comes to cancer there's there's options that you have different options for different people with money versus not money and i wanted to have those options and i just realized that this could this could take me into a financial despair I didn't have the ability to drop everything so that I could be by her side and help her through whatever's get, whatever she's going to have to go through. So it sounds like your main your concern at this point wasn't that you weren't that you weren't broke and unable to handle financially what was happening. You just weren't sure that you had the financial ability to drop everything and and still have an income while you took off to Japan or wherever your wife was to to be with her. Is that the deal? That plus the different options when it comes to her health there, you know, what options that would, would have been out there. Okay. So now part of- we can look at this, we can look at this in a different way. Uh, Steve Jobs died of, of pancreatic cancer. He had all the money in the world and he couldn't, couldn't save his life. 
but it did give him options when it came to his his comfort and his ability to to deal with what was happening to him he had options he had more options than most people right it sounds like the options you're talking about though are have more to do with the individual um you being able to be there for someone else your wife correct okay so this did when did this start to become a a core message or a core issue with you and, and why well, Thomas, if you remember, when we first met, we met through a buddy of ours, Brad Barton, who's also a speaker. Right. And we just sat down and we, we talked about things. And it was you that told me that my message was important. What you have is important. And that was cool. But I'm sorry to say, Thomas, that where it really hit me was when I was in the I was I was I volunteered at a drug rehab center called the Haven, uh-huh. and I was sitting in the audience listening to a girl's story, uh-huh. and and she was just from down the road here in Utah, and she was talking about how when the, her and her family were out and about things were normal, they mom was. Rel- mom and dad were relatively sober. Everybody was relatively sober. The neglect and the abuse didn't happen until she went home. Right. And she, until she went to college, she didn't realize that there were other people that didn't have different options when they went home. And so, like I said, she said, she thought that everybody else's life was like her. The family looked, showed up one way and publicly but when they came home, they were ent- entirely different. Correct. And she's, in her words, she says, I thought my life was normal. Right. And so I'm sitting there in the audience where I thought my life was normal in that I had two parents that loved and supported me and encouraged me to do things to, to make me better. Like what? Like encourage you to do what? To, if I wanted to, in, my dad encouraged me in business, encouraged me in financial situations, encouraged me in, when it came to school and, and study and stuff like that. So I just, I was sitting there thinking that, well, wait, I thought my life was normal. And I realized that it wasn't. And that it also transcended into the, the atmosphere, the mental and the financial atmosphere that my father put me in when I was a kid the environment that he put me in and that if you didn't, if you didn't grow up with someone like my dad Uh or my dad, you don't think like I do when it comes to money and opportunity and how to do what I do. I've been, I've been making a decent living since 1997, just doing my own thing. Right. And actually 1994, because that's when I graduated from college and when I took the, the bungee jump to Japan, and and so, like I said, if you didn't grow up in that same environment, then you don't think like I do, and maybe I have something to offer. Maybe right. Thomas was right. Maybe. Maybe he was <laughs> right. That's just an astounding theory. So let's, let's visit that just a little bit more. So here's a gal that thinks that her life is normal. 
I grew up in, in, a, in a situation that was somewhere between yours and hers, and I thought my life was normal. I figured that most of my friends in school went home to the same kind of family situation that, that I did. And that's probably true with most people. So what was the thing at your home that they, that they did to your mind or your mindset or whatever that you feel like that you could do for other people, even though they, you're not their dad and you're not raising them? So dad was a farmer. He was a pig farmer. Yeah. But he also had his, he was an entrepreneur. He had his hands in many different things. He, you know, part of a, a dairy farm in Idaho, part of a mushroom plant in, in Fillmore, Utah, part of an onion house, which is a produce warehouse in Phoenix, Arizona. In fact, Diamondback Stadium now stands where that onion plant was that he was part owner in. And when that happened, you know, there was a good chunk of change made there. Uh-huh. So it was just the environment. It was, it wasn't him actually, you know, taking me, sitting me down and saying, Bart, you need to think this way, this way, this way. It was just the environment that I was raised in where I watched him and also the work ethic, the, you know, from a little kid, he would take me with him out on the farm and make me not make me, but say, Hey, help me. And he'd, you know, sit me down. I helped change water on the, the fields that we had. I helped on the pig farm, cleaning up stuff. I just, from a very young age, five years old and up, I remember going and working with dad. And so just that environment and then listening to him and, and seeing how he reacted to things. I remember, times when he didn't have a good year and you could tell that something something was wrong when it came to his finances but he handled it with uh, with confidence and with i don't know he he didn't let it affect the rest of the family other than i did notice that you know things were a little bit different so coming out of that here's a here's a father and a mother that their parents are teaching a different different way of looking at things, a different viewpoint, a different mindset, you developed a core message. And what, what is your core message? So I call it monetize your mindset, create financial uh-huh. security by monetizing what you already know. So when you talk about monetizing what you already know, what, is that, what does that mean? And so let's, let's take it one step further. What you already know or what you already do. Okay. So. And so we'll ask three questions. Okay. What do you like to do? What do you need to do? What are you already doing? Can you monetize it? Or better yet, let's monetize it to create that financial security. Right. So what do you like to do? Obviously, is things that you'd like to do that maybe someone else might like to do too. Or you could splinter off what you're doing and create a business. Uh, the example would be, my first business as a kid, I was 15 years old. I loved music. I bought a stereo at age 11. Every month when we would go into town, I would have to buy the new tunes. So it was a liability. When I finally got my driver's license at 15, I bought a little trailer, put some stereo equipment in it, tried to get people to hire me to do dances. Nobody was hiring in, in our small podunk town. So I, at 15, I rented the community center, hired an off-duty cop for security. Mom and dad took tickets at the door, 
mm-hmm. I spun records while everybody danced. Right. And it started with a small stereo by the time we were done. I mean, we had a huge system with lights and, and you know, several amplifiers and just really killer system worth, you know, 20000 dollars And it it put me through high school and part of my college. And and that's what I like to do, what I need to do. My wife told me one time that um, you need to lose weight. And I said, okay, you're probably right. She said that she's seeing more than me than she bargained for when we got married and that I needed to be seen less of, or yeah, less of me needs to be seen. And so I decided if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to lose weight, I'm going to get paid for it. Now, I'm not passionate about weight loss, but I was going to do it anyway, so why not get paid for it? And so one of the first one was something you, you liked to do, and the, and the second one was just something that you were, you were doing, not even didn't even particularly like doing. In fact, may not have liked to do it all, <laughs> but you were doing it. But I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad I did it, and I was going to do it anyway. Right. And if I can share what I know with, with people who need to do what I did, I'm, I should get compensated for that. And so uh, that, interesting. That, that brings me to a question I had jotted down. <clears throat> so you, you're saying two things. One of them, you said, why not share it? And then you also said right on top of why not get paid to share it? Right. So talking about both of those, you decided to share your message of monetizing your mindset. And at the same moment, you said, why not get paid to do it? Correct. Okay, so talk to me about that. One of them is altruistic, and the one of them, the other is practical. Does that work together very well? Yes, because you should be compensated for the stuff you are sharing or the stuff you know. One of the, the mantras that, that I have is when, when life gives you lemons, everybody says, make lemonade. Well, Mm -hmm. my theory is if you're going to be making lemonade anyway, build a lemonade stand and sell the stuff. (laughs) Because it just makes sense to me. And that's just the way I think whenever something comes up, I think, well, can I monetize that? How could I make money doing that? Um, Yeah, it's it's just the way my mind thinks naturally. And the idea with my podcast, so I have a podcast, the Monetize Your Mind obviously because you're you're listening to the monetize your mindset podcast here the idea behind this podcast is to create the atmosphere the environment both financially and mentally that my dad created for me by by doing interviews like this by doing interviews with other people Uh just sharing sharing the ideas Mm -hmm. and let's go back to the third the third question okay something you're already doing and we can we can throw that one on you, Thomas, where you were helping people with their their unemployment insurance battles. Their you were doing it anyway, and you decided, well, why not get paid for it? And the people, the thing with your story is, the people wanted to pay you for your help. Yeah, it wasn't even my idea in the first place. I had I had lost a very important job. Uh, it was a career position, and it was it was painful. So I fought back and I won and I fought back and I won again and I fought back and won again and they appealed it and I fought back and won again. And it wasn't fun. 
it was uh, unsettling and upsetting. And about the third time I thought back on one, I started thinking, hey, I can do this. I'd never considered it. I, I thought about being an attorney when I was a young kid, but it just nothing there really appealed to me. But here I suddenly I'm doing something that's, that's of a legal nature based on human resources skills that I had. And by the, by the sixth win, I said, dang, this is kind of fun. But I still never thought it would be paid for it to do it for anybody else. I happened to go on a blind date. And the gal went to talk about it. She said, what do you do? And she said, well, I just got fired. And I said, well, what's going on? And she told me. And she told me that she was uh, had been denied her unemployment insurance. And I said, well, maybe I can help you do that, help you appeal that. She said, well, that'd be great. And uh, we talked about it. And I told her how I did it and what happened, et cetera. And she said, well, would you help me? I said, of course. And she said, what would you charge me to do that? And I just went completely blank. I mean, I'm thinking, charge you to, to do what? I'm just helping you out. And she says, no, you're going to represent me just like a lawyer. So what would you charge me? Well, I did a little research and found out that I could represent legally these kinds of cases. I didn't have to be an attorney at law, and I could actually do this thing. So she paid me. She paid me a percentage of what we won, and then we had another case, another case. And, and then now, 45 years later, that's my core profession is um, dealing with um, administrative trials. And then get paid for it. Now, I wouldn't... I would. It's just kind of funny that we, like your your theory of what you talk about is like uh, people can look around and I can look around, anybody can look around and stop and say, wait a minute, I'll bet you right now you're doing something and maybe getting paid for it that you just did for fun. And now you're doing it to help other people. Like Brad keeping bees, he was just doing it for fun. And some guy comes along, a friend of ours, and says, why aren't you getting, why aren't you getting paid to do this? Right. Now, yeah, now he makes something around fifteen thousand a year, a little supplemental income on doing something he totally enjoys. I was just doing something that he didn't particularly enjoy, and then I finally learned to enjoy it, and I'm pretty good at it. Forty-five years later. Well, and and on Brad's in Brad's situation, in my weight loss situation, it's something that doesn't take hardly any of my time. People ask me about my whatever you know if whatever they see if they see the sign on my truck if they see my my post on facebook they right. ask me a question so it doesn't take a lot of time and it's a little bit of income right comes in and every little bit helps whether it's big or small you know brad's you know you can't live off 15,000 a year or 20,000 a year but that little extra money is pretty nice to have well, you know, more than a thousand a month Especially since a, a, a chunk of that goes to his kids. I mean, they do the work and they, they, you know, that's a way for them to earn money and he doesn't give them payment allowance. He just, that, that's how they earn the money and he set it up so they could do it. So they learned entrepreneurship at a very young age too, thanks to this same concept. Right, right. I want to ask you in, in, in kind of in close of this thing, um, what, what you believe in. If you could like give us maybe five or six things that, that you believe in that will help us understand Art Merrill and why you do what you do. So for me, this is something that just happened. And I, I remember this is a conversation between you and I, the first, once again, the first time we started working together. 
And I told you that, you know, my life has just kind of come together, that I haven't really had to, to go after anything. Things just kind of happened. Uh-huh. And between our discussion, you, between you and I working things out, you know, what happened to me was I had this, this mindset instilled upon me from my dad. Right. When opportunities presented itself, when an opportunity presented itself, I was mentally and financially ready to act. And I, and I always had this continually, this continual thought going through my head, a habit, if you want to call it that, okay, this is an opportunity that came up. Should I, can I make money at it? Okay. Is it worth doing? And that process just kind of happened. But so I believe that everybody in a way has this, if they just get prepared, some people call it lucky. I thought, I think I told you that I've just been lucky, (laughs) but luck is when preparedness and opportunity meet. Right. And then you're willing to act upon that. Right. That opportunity. That second, that last piece, a lot of people have said, luck is preparation meeting opportunity. Luck is preparedness meeting up. It's the same thing. But you've just added another piece that most people don't think about. And you are prepared, not just willing, but you're actually prepared to act on it. Correct. And I believe, but I believe everybody, if they just, if they just are aware of the opportunities that are around them, and then, like like you said, prepared and willing to act upon those opportunities. Right. And some of that preparedness is in your head. You know, you got to get out of your head. No, it won't work. You got to, you know, you just got to be willing to take the chance. And so that's one of the things I believe is that everybody, if they're just aware of the opportunities and if they go and, and look at those three questions and you can modify those three questions to what do you know, what do you want to know? What are you already able to teach somebody? Right. And then so you can teach stuff like my wife is Japanese. She's a fluent Japanese speaker. She can teach kids Japanese because when I first time I went to Japan, even with two months of training and intensive study, when I spoke to a real Japanese person, I was like, oh, is this is this Japanese? Hmm. I wonder what it was I learned, (laughs) what I learned in the U S and so it's just different. So there's, there's just things that are out there. If you like quilting, there's a way to make money quilting. If there's, if you like whatever you like, whatever it is, you know, there's ways, if you just think about it to, to get a, turn that into a stream of income and everybody needs multiple streams of income. Another quick, another quick thought. Yeah. I was talking with Richard Paul Evans the other day and I told him, and if, if you know Richard Paul Evans, he's the Christmas box guy. Right. And he, he's written like 20 or 39 New York Times bestsellers. Anyway, beside that, he, we were sitting there and I'm telling him, hey, I wrote a book and I told him what it was about and I told him what I do. And he said, you know what? Most million, multi-million dollar ideas come from a side hustle come from people acting upon a side hustle uber you got all these things uh jamberry which is in my book by the way i don't know i don't know if i'm stepping on your toes here thomas because you may be 
you may are going to ask me this, but uh, might as well. You've been walking all over my lines anyway, so I step. know. So <laughs> if you are out there, you're in, and you're in Utah, and you right. want to develop this mindset, right? What do we have coming up in on October 26th, Thomas? We have an event, Bart. So go, go. <laughs> we go. have an event. It's the Turn oh. Your Interest into Income event. Right. It's October 26th, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Registration starts at 8.30 at the Megaplex on Geneva. For more information, if it's something you want to just see if it's something that's for you, go to monetizeyourmindset.com forward slash live event. I'll put that up in the, in the notes of, of the show. But it's going to be a great event. We have several several people participating from different walks of life. And it's just going to be a memory jogger to help you get ideas, to help you figure out what would be your perfect side hustle. And then in the end, we're going to put you down a path to start down to turning that into a stream of income. And that's the thing that, that well, I guess I should back up. I'm not going to tell them what it is. I'm going to ask you. So you have a number, uh, you have a few people presenting at this. Is this just another one of these, uh, you know, whoop them up and get excited and go home and scratch your head? Or is this going to be practical and real and can you actually learn something from this thing and actually do something? You will leave this, this event with a handful of ideas that are unique to you that you can turn into a stream of income and the action steps to get started. This is not a touchy-feely get in touch with your feelings, motivational, hoorah event. It will be fun. It will be entertaining. There'll be lots of networking and networking activities to get to know people. But this is going to be a, you know, roll up your sleeves. You'll come away with a handful of ideas, three, five, and then ideas on how to get those started into a, a stream of income action steps well anything else you'd like to add to this because that's that's the punch is you know get get, get to this event uh, it's going to be a lot of fun it's going to like you said it's going to be practical it's going to be real and it doesn't end there right because we have we have a team of people that you can work with to help get your idea off the ground right and it's good it's going to be a great event i'm proud of it and it hadn't even happened yet <laughs> well, I'm, I'm proud of you for doing it and I'm going to even be even more proud of you after you actually do it so again given the information given the contact given, given, the, given the demographics and not the demographics given the information and let's wrap this thing up wrap this thing up this is the turn your interest into income event it is at the Megaplex Theaters on Geneva which is in Orem, Utah Go to monetizeyourmindset.com forward slash live event to get the details and see if it's something you would be interested in, in attending. No, Thomas, details and attend. <laughs> details and, and register. That's right. Register. Let's do it. All right. uh, Thomas, thank you for doing this. You're welcome. Thanks for the opportunity. And for my listeners, thanks for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Once again, until next time, monetize it. Thanks for listening. Remember, monetize your mindset. 
Build financial security by monetizing what you already know so that you will always have the resources to deal with whatever happens when what happens, happens. Follow us on Facebook and at BartMerrill.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review.